0: Hi, this is Him We Proclaim with Dr. John Bonville. You know, going to church every weekend can be a touchy topic. Some people aren't physically able to make it to church. Others have been disillusioned by false shepherds. Or sometimes it's simply impossible because a nation has to shut down businesses and churches for a while to protect people's health. The list is extensive. John Fonville knows the challenges and says that God asks His people to gather so they can be spiritually nourished and have their faith confirmed and encouraged. Today, he's going to walk us through some gospel Center teaching about gathering in a message called, He Knows We Are Sheep. Here's part two.
1: The visible church is Christ's pasture where He oversees and cares for His sheep. As David says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Listen. Even read that and they think it's like this personal one-on-one hotline to heaven about how that happens. It's not how it happens. The Lord shepherds his people in his visible church through his gifted ones. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that he has gifted and poured out to his church. And the gospel that these gifted ones administer to the church, the word and sacrament, is the green pastures, it is the quiet waters, and it is the path of righteousness. And so the church, the visible church, is a place, not just a people, it is a place where God's People are fed and nurtured in the nutritious pastures of gospel grace by Christ's gifted ones. And so, in Ephesians 4, when Paul speaks of growing up, of becoming mature in Christ, you know what his first thought is? It is being recipients of the work of ministry that Christ gave to his church. He says that the ascended Christ has given gifts. To his church. Verse 11, he tells us who the gifts are. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. Those are the gifts. These are Christ's gifts to you. In verse 12, Paul tells us that Christ gave these gifted ones to perform three tasks for you. He says that he gave it, verse 12, to equip the saints. He gave the gifted ones to do the work of ministry and he gave the gifted ones to build up the body of Christ. Those are the three tasks that Christ's gifted ones do for the church. And the purpose of equipping the saints, the purpose of the gifted ones doing the work of ministry and the purpose for building up the body of Christ is verse 13 so that we can attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And so the visible church is of central importance to the believer's spiritual growth. It is the safe pasture where Christ's sheep graze and receive nourishment and safety and oversight and care. This is why we come faithfully to the visible church week after week because it is the only place in this whole world where you can be a recipient of Christ's gifts which brings you into the fullness of Christ. The ministry of the visible church is precisely why all the Protestant Reformed churches of the the Protestant Reformation confess the teaching of the ancient Latin church father Cyprian who said, outside of the church, there is no salvation. A version of Cyprian's saying is found in Article 28 of the Belgic Confession. Dr. Clark, this comes from Dr. R. Scott Clark, Westminster Seminary in California. He quotes the Belgic Confession, Article 28, as an example of how the Reformed churches from the Protestant Reformation all believe this. And it says, we believe that since this holy assembly and congregation is the gathering of those who are saved and there is no salvation apart from it, no one ought to withdraw from it. Content to be by himself, to be a solo Christian, a churchless Christian, regardless of his status or condition. Now, this doesn't mean that if, if one goes to church, you'll be automatically saved because that's sacerdotalism and that's exactly what the whole Reformation was saying no to. And it doesn't mean that there's salvation outside of Paramount Church. Of course there is. What the Reformed confessions teach, the Protestant Reformation teaches is, we distinguish between ordinary and extraordinary circumstances. So listen to Dr. Clark as he explains this difference between ordinary and extraordinary. He says the Reformed churches have recognized that, that were someone to come to faith on a desert island and say a Bible washes ashore and the deserted person reads it and comes to faith, he would be apart or she would be apart from the visible church, obviously, because they're, they're like uh, Wilson, right? <laughs> Wilson! <laughs> But he says, but that would be extraordinary or unusual because ordinarily the visible church being present, one is obligated to join himself to it. You see, he goes on to say, God has chosen to administer salvation in one place, the visible institutional church, just as he chose to administer salvation in Noah's ark. Do you want to be outside of Noah's ark? I don't. He has chosen to give the keys of the kingdom, Matthew 16, to the visible church, Matthew 28. And so he says this. He says, those who willfully absent themselves from the true visible institutional church have placed themselves in jeopardy. You're going back to the sheep metaphor that we began with. Sheep who wander off from the right pasture, not only stunt their growth, but they place themselves in jeopardy. I read another article this week. I read a lot of articles this week. (laughs) I do a lot of reading. A senior minister at St. Matthews, which is an Anglican church in Sydney, Australia. And this uh, senior minister did his uh, research doctoral degree on uh, church attendance. It was a really interesting study. And he wrote an article about his study, and it was entitled this, When Did You Last Go to Church?, The spiritual battle, it seems like, we are losing. It's a great article. I want to read a portion of the article to you, but it's so helpful. He says, there is a correlation between lower church attendance and lower spiritual growth. He says, it stands to reason. If you're not consistently placing yourself under the sound of the gospel, under the sound of the gospel, or in the fellowship of believers, you'll notice a spiritual impact. Notice too how those who experience much spiritual growth attend more often than the average. He says it's interesting that the only passage in the New Testament to directly address the question of church attendance is immediately followed by one of the strongest warnings of the whole book. And then he quotes Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 27. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see, the day is approaching. Jesus is coming. And then listen. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. That's kind of a scary passage, isn't it? You see, the point is that church attendance is one of those necessary spiritual disciplines, not for salvation, but because of salvation, he writes. He says it's not for salvation, but because of salvation, so we may continue well in the faith. Therefore, Hebrews exhorts us not to give up meeting together This is much more than friendly advice. We need to be at church. We really do. Not to merit grace, but as a means by which we continue well in the faith. I want you to listen to question 103 in the Heidelberg Catechism as it applies the fourth commandment to new covenant believers. All right? What does God require in the fourth commandment? In the first place, that the ministry of the gospel in schools be maintained. That's what we're doing today. We're maintaining the preaching of the gospel. And listen, in that I, especially on the day of rest, diligently attend church. And you know what the catechism uh, cites from Scripture to support that? Hebrews 10 23 to 25, the passage I just read. Especially on the day of rest, diligently attend church. Why? To learn the word of God. Catechism class. Divine service. To use the holy sacraments. To call publicly upon the Lord and to give Christian alms. To give your your tithes and offerings. Not ten percent. It's ties, meaning give. Right, right. Now listen, we all fell fantastically in the pursuit of spiritual disciplines. But if there is one spiritual discipline that I could encourage you to commit to being faithful to, it is this—just this one. Just commit to this one. Diligently and faithfully attend church. Why? Because in our passage in Ephesians chapter four, the apostle Paul, when he speaks of growing up and becoming in the the fullness of Christ, he says, my first thought is being recipients of the work of ministry that Christ has given to his church. Yeah, and how often do we neglect Christ's visible church and this to our detriment? I, I cannot tell you how many times over the past, almost this October, I think it's the third week of October. It's going to be our 10 year uh, anniversary as a church. And I can't tell you over 10 years how many times I've seen this pattern that I'm going to share with you. First of all, they come to the, the honeymoon stage at Paramount. It's a perfect church. Oh, please don't break the 10th commandment and covet. It's no perfect church. We're not perfect. And then, when the honeymoon stage wears off, you come back, it's the same thing every week. <laughs> oh, it's the same thing every week. And then hard times hit them. And then you start, you don't see them. And you call them, hey, we miss you. Where you been? How's things going? You start talking to them. Oh, I just need some time. I'm not feeling it. I just got to work through some stuff and I'll be back. My heart is cold and I'm just going through the motions. I need to go to another place where there's more spirit. These are actual responses given to me. I want you to listen to something. In moments when we are experiencing the greatest difficulties in our life, that is precisely the time we need to attend church the most. I want you to listen to how this author put it. Liturgy is not something beautiful we do for God, but something beautiful God does for us and among us. We come to church not primarily to act, but to be acted upon. Yes, there are needs to be met and places of service to be filled. We have a new piano player helping. We've got a great new female drummer. Didn't even know she plays about 15 different instruments. (laughs) If you are a talented musician or singer, we need help. Serve the body. Please speak up and help us. Use your talent. Use your gift for the glory of God to edify us. Help us. So yes, there needs to be met, but even when we serve at church, we are doing so because we have first been served. This is what James K.A. Smith says in his book, you are what you love. He says the most potent Charged, transformative sight of the spirit's work is found in the most unlikely of places, the church. And again, the church's worship is a uniquely intense sight of the spirit's transformative presence. So as we reflect this morning on the vital importance of the visible church, I want you to note this well. The visible church is the central place where the ascended Lord cares for his sheep. Again, in uh, James K. Smith's book, You Are What You Love, he teaches us how these liturgies shape and form what we love. He says that we know by knowledge and experience that doing something as a regular rhythm of life can be powerful. Our habits form what we love. And he says that we are shaped by what we love. Well, listen to the habit of coming to church. Each Sunday, listen, we come back to something that's familiar to us. We're shaped and formed by Christ-saturated liturgy. Week after week, year after year, we stand together and pray a prayer of invocation. We pull the fire alarm, say, God, come help. This prayer of invocation teaches us week after week over a lifetime that we cannot continue as sheep safe in this world except so insofar as we are protected by the help of our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We confess our sins together. We're taught how to confess our sins. We hear the word of God, both law and gospel preached to us, read and proclaimed together. We sing praises of God to God together. We partake in the Lord's Supper together. We have listened, we have our faith nourished and confirmed once again each week in a tangible, invisible representation of God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ is here with us in that sacrament telling you the Father loves you again, even though you've blown it all week. And then after having been served so richly at his table, we are sent out together together under the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. These rhythms and habits are powerful and they are life-shaping and changing. And so James Smith says this, he says, I have no radical thesis to offer about discipleship. I am sick and tired of, of hearing, here, be radical for this, be radical for that. He says, there's no new program or novel formula. He says, there are no previously unknown secrets by a guru who finally solves the problem of discipleship. Listen, we don't have to keep up the innovation cycle in order to give Christians the wow factor so we have the next successful Christian. This is what he says as we finish. He says, look, there's no new program. There's no novel formula. There's no previously unknown secret. On the contrary, my argument is the very opposite of novel. It's ancient. The church is worship. Now, here is the heart of discipleship. Yes, Christian formation is a life-encompassing Monday through Saturday, a weekend and week-out project. Read your Bible, pray, do your spiritual disciplines, right? But he says, all of that radiates from and is nourished by the worship life of the congregation gathered around word and table. There is no sanctification without the church. Not because some building holds a superstitious magic, but rather because the church is the very body of Christ animated by the Spirit of God and composed of spirited practices. He nails it. Listen, in the 90 minutes that we have each week, month after month, year after year, over a lifetime, we are restoried into God's story, the gospel. We are formed by what we do in worship to be a community that is shaped by the gospel and then sent out on God's mission to love and serve our neighbor in good deeds through our manifold vocations that we have been given in this life. There is one ministry, but there are multiple vocations. You come to the visible church to receive the work of ministry, Paul says in Ephesians 4, and then you leave from here to go love and serve your neighbor in your vocations. I want you to listen carefully to these prayers that you're about to receive and you're about to pray. Heavenly Father... We thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. That first half of that prayer is we thank you, Father, that through your Son, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you've been serving us here all morning, and it culminated at your table. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? To serve. He is your servant. Let him serve you. So we thank our Father for the service, the divine service. That's what we call our church worship service, the divine service. It's his service to us. And so we thank him for his divine service. And then the second part of the prayer, and now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do. You see, he did the work for us here. Now we leave from here with that work and we go do the work he's given us to do out there. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. And then look, to him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You see, liturgy matters. It's teaching you how to be served and to serve. And then the dismissal go in peace. Isn't that beautiful? Go in fear. <laughs> go in caution. Keep a yellow light over your your life all week till you get back. Forget the green light. Yellow and red's all you get. (laughs) Go in peace. Listen, to love and serve the Lord. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit because you just got restored by grace. It's just so important. This is the place where you come to be loved and served and nourished and protected over a lifetime by the great shepherd and overseer of your soul. Don't neglect it. Receive it and rejoice in it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your church we thank you that you care for us through weak, sinful, failing human instruments because it puts your grace and your power and your sufficiency on display and it humbles the rest of us. You are the great shepherd and overseer of our souls. Keep our church ever faithful, feeding in the luscious, nutritious, green pastures of word and sacrament of gospel, nutrition, grace. Protect us from fake, false shepherds who want to feed us spiritual ivy that would kill us if we ate it. Feed us and nourish us now at your table that we might receive by faith the true body and blood of our Lord. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called He Knows We Are Sheep, Part 2. More from the Gospel Mystery of Sanctification series coming up next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at paramountchurch.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time.